Welcome to Younger Older. I'm Dave Wager with the Relate365.com leadership team. Each week I get to come and have a discussion with some younger men about life. And we sit around a table actually in the studios here at Nicolay Bible Institute and just have a discussion. And I'm encouraging all of you that are listening. You should be having discussions with other generations and at least listening to what they have to say on both ends. Those that are older need to listen to those who are going through the journey as younger people, and those who are younger need to listen to the older ones, and you get together, and somehow something good may come of those conversations. You never know. And sometimes something goofy comes of them, too. Today, I'm with Nate, who we've been with, and uh, if you've been following us, Nate has been been on a journey with cancer. Once again, bring us up to date, Nate, uh, what kind of cancer and what's going on right now in your treatment. Uh, for a refresher, it's a goblet cell carcinoid is the technical term for it. Uh, if you go online and search for it, you're not going to find much. It's uh, pretty challenging to find the information and actually find the right information. So if you're curious, you can try to search. If you're curious and search, you'll probably get lost. Like I've gotten lost trying to find information. But Got it. I know a little more about what's going on with it and what it is so I can find the stuff. But uh, I think in our one of our last programs, I said I had a CT scan that was scheduled. If not, I'll bring up to be on that. Uh, last week, uh, I had a CT scan. Uh, what brought that about was I had some hip pain going on that uh, kind of started about six weeks ago. And it just started progressively getting worse and worse uh, to the point where sometimes lifting my leg up to get into a car, uh, maybe my right leg, uh, it was a little more challenging. Sometimes I have to kind of grab my jeans and pull my leg up. Mm. And if you realize this isn't good, so uh, let the doctor know and uh, he ordered a CT scan. Uh, with that, he was also going to check the progress of chemotherapy and all that stuff to see how that was going. So uh, I got the results of that um, uh, late last week and then a little bit more this week, uh, what they found. Uh, they found that the liver tumors, uh, the lymphatic tumors, and the tumor by my ileum, which is the tumor that's uh, kind of in between my large and small intestines, those are shrinking, uh, which is really good. Uh, they found some uh, tumors in my right hip area, uh, which have probably been there for a while. Uh, we just weren't looking for them. And so it's uh, not too much of a surprise that I have you know, some more going on. Uh, those have gotten, my guess, is a little bigger because it hasn't really affected much until now. Um, so uh, the treatment for that is going to be radiation, and that's uh, going to help take care of the pain. Uh, it's about a uh, 50% or not a 50%, an 80% chance that it should take care of the pain. Uh, it'll be 10 sessions over the course of two weeks. Each session should last roughly about 20 to 30 minutes. So it'll be a relatively quick treatment. Mm. By the end of the two weeks, I should be able to feel some sort of relief on pain. And then roughly about two months later, I should have uh, full effect of the pain relief. So that's, yeah, I'm looking forward to that because uh, some of the pain is a little more uh, cumbersome. Uh, with that, I've also had some uh, what I think is uh, pinched nerve issues or sciatica nerve issues, which affects my left leg. Yep. If I stand for more than you know two minutes, I'll get a pretty severe pain that comes down my uh, left leg. Mm. And as of yesterday, I was put on a steroid to help with that. Uh, cause it was, and this is something that uh, during my appointment last week uh, started to uh, become a little more painful since then. So the doctor kind of knew about it, but then it wasn't too much of an issue. Right. Now, uh, for the last couple of nights, it was affecting my sleep. If I sit, I'm fine. You know, the pain goes away within 
you know, a couple of minutes. When I lay down, it kind of aggravates the nerve a little bit, and I'll get a, some minor pain enough to where it kind of disrupts my sleep. So I had a couple of nights where I didn't sleep too well. Uh, last night I slept pretty good, and that was the first night that I had uh, the steroid. So I believe okay. the steroid is working very well. Uh, yeah. Oddly enough, it's the same steroid that I was taking for um, my appetite and nausea stuff going through chemo. Mm. So in the middle of the night last night, I got the munchies. There you so. go. <laughs> and you're looking buff, so that's good. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Um, another thing they found in the CT scan was I have a couple of blood clots in my lungs. Uh, they're in my lower lobes. They really weren't doing much because uh, I didn't know, notice anything different in my breathing or anything. Uh, but cancer patients are susceptible to blood clots. Yeah. Cure for that is just going on blood thinners. So Now that uh, I know because I've had that. So and, <laughs> I, and I'm still on blood thinners for it. So. It's really fun when you get a bloody nose or a yeah. little cut because they just don't stop bleeding. Yeah, they don't. <laughs> and I'm, I've only been on it for a short time, but I've dealt with patients in the EMS yeah. world that have had uh, blood thinners and yeah bleeding just does not stop easy yeah well if you've been listening you know that when uh, i talk with nate we're trying to really chronicle through the idea of uh, the discovery of cancer and correct me if i'm wrong nate but your cancer as far as your doctors have told you is not really curable yeah but they can slow it down mm-hmm. and they can make it so who knows i mean god's got the date when you're not going to be here anymore and no doctor's going to determine that or medicine at this point on a front of ours uh He's, he was diagnosed nine years ago with cancer, and he was told you know, he's got six months to live. Right, and it's nine years. It's nine years. So yeah, And he's still yeah. working and doing things. Mm-hmm. You know, So one, one of the things I want our listeners to be able to do is just chronicle what it is for somebody to have gotten diagnosed with cancer, and then uh, on a oh every other week or so basis, uh, we've been able to get together and talk mm-hmm. about what you're thinking and what's going on, and really hopefully to give people hope. Yeah. Uh, because you do have hope, and we've talked about that. And I encourage people, go to the website, Relate365.com, and uh, download the the different episodes that say Nate and Dave, and you'll be brought up to date. And we talk very specifically about the hope that we have that's in Christ. And well, with, without that, there's really no hope. Uh, my wife and I, we viewed this news that we got as, it was good news. Yep. You know, we've got, you know, most of the tumors are shrinking. You know, some people would be shocked by the fact that, oh, yeah, there's more tumors. But there's a game plan for that. Right. And, you know, I got an answer for what the pain was coming from. You know, there's a lot of people that go to the doctor. They don't find an answer out for what they have going on. Right. And that can be very frustrating. Right. And, you know, well, you got an answer. Yep. And you've had this for many years, of course. Oh, yeah. I, it's probably been for better part of, you know, seven years. And it's just slowly have gotten, you know, growing and spreading and decided to rear its ugly head uh, just, you know, little under a year ago yeah now let, let me ask you this though somebody did you looking back can you see symptoms that you had like eight years ago uh not eight year years ago but maybe more so of like five years ago okay maybe on the six-year mark uh starting to see symptoms that just kind of chalked up to uh things that were going on like um i get heartburn a lot which that is kind of a symptom right. kind of not a symptom right um, and as gross as it sounds, uh, diarrhea is a symptom. Right. It's also when you're on like Prilosec and those type of drugs for heartburn, you can also get diarrhea. More than likely, the diarrhea was coming from um, the the tumors. Right. So. So get those things checked out mm-hmm. if if you have that. I mean, don't be too macho about it. Go ahead and get them checked out. And then yeah, anytime I would go in for blood work, my liver enzymes were always slightly elevated, but nothing that really concerned the doctors. Right. And it was about you know five six years ago is when that started to happen, and you know and I got signed up for life insurance. Uh, just you know it was 
I think that was September, October. Right. I had blood work done, and at that point, I had cancer in my liver, hmm. and the liver enzymes were just slightly elevated. Nothing right. that concerned the insurance company. Wow, and very interesting. A month and a half later, I was diagnosed with stage four cancer. Wow. Now, we have a good friend of yours and mine, and, and uh, really your pastor mm-hmm. with us. Uh, Kellen Lewis is with us. How are you doing, Kellen? Doing very good, um, other than what's going on in Nate's world. Yeah. Well, now, Nate is uh, your good friend. How did you guys meet? Oh, man. I was probably a freshman in high school, Mm -hmm. going to high school youth group at our church down in Racine. And there's this new guy at church that they recruited to help us out. So Nate would have been 19 and Mm -hmm. just, you know, out of high school, I was 15. Little punk kid. And Uh. uh, so we just, you know, we're at, at youth group together and... When I was 16, I got a job at Sears, mm-hmm. and uh, they, I, I did really well with it. And they said, "We want more people like you." It's like I don't, I don't know here. And talk to my buddy Nate here. So they hired him to work at the auto center, and that's kind of how he ended up on that track. And he started taking me out just to get coffee at Barnes and Noble after work, and talking one on one about life. God, Jeeps, guns, all these things I don't Solving know about. all the world's yeah. problems. There you yeah. go. Yep. And uh, just through the years, he's turned into that guy that I can go to to talk about anything. Or, you know, I was in a ditch a year and a half ago in our minivan, and he's the one that pulled me out. So. There you go. Now, so you have a good friendship with him. You are his pastor. So you have a, a dual role, actually. When, when you heard the news that he had cancer, uh, take me through what your thought process was. I wasn't thinking like a pastor, I'll be honest. Okay. Nate was, ended up being the, the best man at my wedding. And, I mean, we had kids. Our firstborn sons were born on the same day. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, you know, we're, he's the older brother I never had. So it was really tough news. It would have been as tough or tougher than if I heard something about a sibling. And um, so I... <laughs> I just had to to pray and stop and think about, okay, what does Nate need here? Um, and obviously God can provide more than I can. So I was praying for him and have been praying for him and got my family praying for him right away. And then it was, Nate's going to just need somebody to be there. So thinking through how can I be in his life and walk through this with him. And we live about a half hour away. We've got little kids at both of our houses. So the closest he gets other than church when I'm getting pulled 150 directions is when he's at chemo. Mm-hmm. So I've just sort of started to go to, to chemo with him as much as I can. If I can be there the whole time, I will. If I can be there for an hour or two, I'll be there for that. And we just talk about life. Uh, they, they know that we're both married to not each other. Um, right. But, but they, they, they know that we're kind of like a package deal over there at the, the cancer center. Yeah. So if I walk in, everybody's like, oh, Nate's back there. And they just kind of yeah. point me mm-hmm. in the right direction. And uh, we're, we're kind of having fun getting to know all the staff and mm-hmm. trying to share hope with them. And It's a really good staff that's there. I, now, yeah, and you guys are in a unique position because – I don't get to know that staff and tell them about Jesus or anything. I don't get to say anything to them because I'm not there. No, and it's a small town, mm-hmm. and both of our wives have, like, delivered babies and stuff like that, and some of the nurses have moved from the maternity ward to the cancer center, mm-hmm. and you find out that they've got kids going to school with you, and 
we're building all sorts of relationships mm-hmm. with all of them. Yeah. Now, now, God's goal for people in life is to be able to give us opportunities to share his love and, and the hope that we have in him with other people. So it sounds to me like you guys have a golden opportunity that's just laid in your lap because Nate has cancer. Mm-hmm. Is that accurate? Oh, yeah. Uh, my oncologist just this last week, uh, Kellen was there uh, to actually witness that same thing with my wife. And it's not the first time he said it. Uh, he's just completely shocked with my reaction to, you know, the news that we keep getting and just the, my reaction to cancer. And I just kind of looked at him and it's like, Doc, it's all God. Right. That's the reason why I've got the attitude that I do. And you know, his response to that was, well, I'm kind of religious, but I really don't know how I would react to this because, you know, nobody really knows until they go through it. Absolutely. That's one of the unique things. Colin, you're a pastor, and, and there's a, a book that we've shared uh, on this program um, uh, called For Thou Art With Me that um, Bruce Baker wrote. And Bruce Baker, I, did you ever get that book, Nate? Yeah. Uh, not yet. I was waiting until he came. It's in the canteen okay. right now. Well, so, uh, or in our, it's where you can get by it at Silver Bird Ranch for all those that just went into space trying to figure out what I just said. <laughs> uh, but um, it, it's a pastor and a theologian who wrote this book, and he has uh, Lou Gehrig's disease. And a guy that is a great teacher and has been a great professor uh, of the Bible for many years. And what's interesting is to see what he says about the position he's in after teaching theologically about what would happen if you were ever in that position. That's a whole different story. Mm -hmm. But it's not different. It's amazing to read his book. And I would encourage both of you and any of our listeners to get the book by Bruce Baker. It's it's published by Grace Acres Press. I'm sure you can get it online somewhere. Uh, you can get it from Silver Birch Ranch if you write us. We'll be able to sell it to you. I mean, it's one of those things where you look at it and go, I love it when somebody is a pastor or a teacher, and they're in a position where they need to be able to say something that backs up what they've said theoretically for years. Yeah, and that's one of those things that that's kind of tough. So I'm a younger pastor. I'm 33 years old. When I'm talking about suffering, it's things that I've – seen people do i mean i've been healthy i haven't had too many really difficult things hit me stub toe yeah and then all of a sudden i'm walking through this with my best friend way too young i mean sooner or later it seems like you get cancer or something uh but he shouldn't be going through this in his 30s seemingly and so now i've got to wrestle with all these things And, and there's this weird phenomenon where People will tell you something and they will give you words for it. And then the Holy Spirit is ready to teach you that thing. And when you come out of this lesson on the other side, you end up saying what people have been telling you all along. And you've moved from knowing it intellectually to knowing it Mm -hmm. like experientially. And the, the frustrating thing is we, how do you listen to somebody and really get to know that information that they're trying to tell you those valuable life lessons? How do you own that at this like visceral soul deep level? I don't I don't know how to do it. And so God God's in control and he has you walk through these things. Yeah, you know, I, I find it extremely interesting um, to go through the struggles of life and be one who has read the Bible through, you know, fifty times and know what God has said and feel the feelings that I have along with what God had said. There's this struggle that goes on inside. It's a struggle for sometimes trying to understand 
but if you've heard me speak at all and, and to kids, I keep telling them that you don't need to understand. The thing you need to know is that God loves you. Mm-hmm. And, and I go back to the phrase that I've said probably 100,000 times. And I've said it, we're, I'm talking to the young kids at camp this week, and I keep telling them, God is older than you, and he's smarter than you, and he loves you. You can trust him. And, and that's where sometimes you got to leave it because you can't figure out the universe. You can't figure out everything that's coming at you. No, and the, the other day I was just completely overwhelmed. Um, honestly, I was getting stretched all these different directions, and I, I had somewhere I had to be in a half an hour, and I hadn't spent enough time with my kids and my wife, and so I'm helping get kids ready for bed before I leave. And my six-year-old is sitting on my lap, and he says, Dad, how are you doing? And hmm. He's not usually like that. Uh, he's more into stuff than people right now. Sure. And so I, I tell him, I'm not doing really well, but that's a good question. And then he asks, well, why aren't you doing well? And, well, my best friend is dying of cancer, you know, and I just started breaking down into tears. And um, I was feeling really alone, honestly, and uh, not sure what to do, and so I just told him that I had to get out of there. I didn't want him to see me completely bawling. Sure. So I, I went in my bedroom, and I cried for a little bit, um, and I just said, God, I wish that I had a verse for me that says, you are with me. I, I was thinking about um, somebody else at our church just died of cancer, and one of her last things she wanted people to know was uh, the the verse that Joshua heard from God in Joshua 1, 9, after Moses has died and now Joshua's got to take over leading all these people from wilderness into this land with giants, uh, this overwhelming task is in front of them. And uh, God told them to be strong and courageous for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And I said, I'm glad Joshua had that verse, but I, I need that verse, you yeah. know. Reading it in context, all this stuff, you know, it's not about me. Uh, and then, you know, all of a sudden it was like, come on, doofus. Like, you know, think about the Great Commission. And I always think about what it tells us to do. Go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. That's the task in front of us. It's how we do it. That's what we live our lives for and what we're trying to equip people for. But the next verse written to the disciples, says, Behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Yep. Mm-hmm. So that task that we're in, Jesus is with us. He's with you, Nate. He's with you, Dave. He's with me. And that goes for every Christian until Jesus comes back. Yep. And it was just reassuring that I'm not alone. I'm not doing this in my own strength. And if you think about places where God is with you, that's when David kills Goliath. That's when... You know, Isaiah is taking on all these prophets of Asherah and Baal. I mean, when people feel alone, the fact that God is with them is huge. It absolutely is. And, and you know, it's interesting that, that Bruce Baker, and we've talked about this, Nate, in his book, basically said, you know, his ALS to him is a gift because he'll most likely die from it, but he knows what he's going to die from. And so he can prepare for that day. And he said, I've, and he didn't say this, but what I get is I feel sorry for those guys get hit by a bus. You know what I mean? Because they, 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 they didn't know it was coming mm-hmm. and they didn't get to prepare for it. And he thought, shouldn't we all be preparing for it? I mean, shouldn't we all be ready for something? Um, I find it interesting. I was interviewing, uh, we had another younger, older, and I had 
uh, my son-in-law and a, and a young man that he mentors. And the young man that he mentors is a guy that I mentored when he was an MBI, which is interesting. And then I had my son-in-law's wife, my daughter, and his wife in our youth club in Anago when they were small. So I have a, a great stake in all of these families and, and what's going on there. And it was interesting. Um, he was saying some of the things that he remembers that he learned um, me pounding into his head. And one of them was, that you always need to be ready to give a message or to give an answer. You always need to be ready. Um, for example, if, if something happened to you, Kellen, you speak on Sundays, and if I was coming to church and all of a sudden you fell outside, whacked your head, and you were out, somebody needs to know. They can come up to me and say, would you speak? And I need to go grab my Bible and walk up there and speak. You know, I always need to be ready to share what, what I've learned. Because we don't know what the future holds. We have no idea. And one of the great hopes and, and blessednesses, if that's a word, that we get to participate in is the fact that we are people that have a purpose in every day of our life. And we get to, to take on that purpose because God is with us and we need to act like God is with us. Uh, one of the things I kept asking at our men's retreat recently was, you know, do you believe that God loves you? Act like it. Yeah, act like <laughs> mm -hmm. it, please. You know, I mean, that's really it. Do you, do you believe you can trust God? Well, act like it then. And, and that's something that keeps pounding away at me as I look at the realities of life. I mean, I look at Nate and I think, okay, Nate, most likely this cancer is going to take you. I might die before you. Mm -hmm. I just don't know how. And so it's not that we're talking about something morbid or or down the road saying, oh, you know, this is something. He's in the studio. He's going to die from this, likely. So why are we doing? Are you kidding me? Everybody that's listening is going to die. Yeah, I was just talking. Everybody. I was talking to somebody over lunch today. We're doing this big mission trip in town here. And I was talking to somebody, and they said, what are you doing next? I'm like, oh, I'm going to go record a podcast with uh, my friend who's dying of cancer. They're like, oh, so it's going to kill him. I or they said, oh, he's going to die. And I said, well, life is 100% fatal so far. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. yeah, he will, and I will, and you will. Mm -hmm. You know, it's during this time in life where those who have hope in Jesus need to talk about the hope they have and not keep it quiet. Yeah. So uh, one of the things I try to encourage people to do all the time is I ask, what does this have to do with the gospel? Sometimes as Christians, we think the gospel is for them, for those people that don't know Jesus yet, they can hear this, they can get saved, and that is absolutely true. But the gospel is also for us. There's the, the little story of the gospel, Jesus died for our sins and he rose again, and that you can trust in him and be forgiven and be found right in God's eyes forever. But there's, it sets up this huge story of a God who created everything good, people rebelled against him and it fell, then Jesus came and he's redeeming things, making things new, and in the end, he will make all things new. So a question I always ask people, you can find anything in your life in that big story that the gospel sets up. So I asked Nate and Jenna last week after they got that CT scan uh, result back, I said, okay, guys, what does Nate's cancer have to do with the gospel? And Jenna just said, well... We brought sin in this world, and Nate got cancer, but he believes in Jesus, and in the end, he's not going to have cancer, and he's right. not going to have mm -hmm. cancer for eternity. Absolutely. You know, uh, and I've talked about this a little bit. My wife and I were with her mother just a couple of weeks ago when she died, and we didn't expect her to die. It was a surprise. And we watched 
we we had just left her and about an hour or two hours after we left her we got a call and we were staying at their retirement home and got a call from the nurses that she had died and we were actually expecting more her dad to have struggles and die and we were preparing that way and her mom died all of a sudden i'm telling you we went back there and and weren't surprised by the fact she's 89 years old we're i mean we're not a total surprise when somebody 89 dies although she seemed healthy so i'm not sure what the issue was but it was so interesting we were able to stay in her room the family the kids for several hours with her body in that bed and she looked so peaceful so calm so i she hadn't looked really that peaceful in a long long time and you know i picture that what happened was what happened with uh, the rich man uh and lazarus Mm -hmm. you know where lazarus dies and was carried to the father and i think the bible sets precedent that when those who love god die you're never alone there's an escort for you right there and and you may not know what the future holds but i'm telling you god does and he's not going to let you down if you're one of his children the great tragedy if you're listening today and you are not one of god's children that's the tragedy because i can offer you no hope Mm -hmm. i can't offer you hope in medicine or doctors or friendships those things are nice but they they don't bring hope the only hope that somebody has is knowing that their sins have been forgiven and the only forgiveness of sin comes from jesus who died on the cross and paid the penalty for our sins this life here is just a blip. It is. We're talking about eternity. It is. Are, whether it's you live for you know, a couple of months or you live till you're you know, 100 plus years old. Yep. That's just a blip on the radar to eternity. Yeah. Was, was it the and apostle? God offers that eternity of hope. Absolutely. I, I think Paul uses a, a phrase to refer to his life, which was very tough after he became a Christian. It didn't get better. It got way worse, humanly speaking. And he referred to his life with all the difficulties, all the struggles, the beatings, the shipwrecks, and all of that as this light, momentary affliction. Right. Mm-hmm. Compared to the hell that we deserve, this is nothing. And compared to the heaven that we're going to get, this also cannot compare. Uh, but on the flip side of how amazing heaven is going to be for all of eternity, to be in mm-hmm. Jesus' presence in perfection. So I'm a little bit jealous of you, Nate, in that it looks like... Pending something unforeseen, you're probably going to be there first. You get a, you get to the party before the rest of us do, and um, you know. So there, I do have a, a mild jealousy of you on that front, actually. <laughs> well, you know, it's very interesting when you think in those terms because I, I think often of of those who um, might be taken before me, and I, my parents are already gone, and a lot of times I'll say, you know what? As long as you're going ahead of me, most likely, you want to look them up. Now, I don't know theologically if that makes sense or not. I have no idea whether they can do it or not. It doesn't even matter to me. It's like, you know, you're going to a place that's real. Right now, Moses, Elijah, Abraham, my dad, my mom, they're all doing something. Mm-hmm. I have no idea what they're doing. But the Bible makes it clear that they're doing something. And we, I think that's the hope we have. We're not going nowhere. We're going somewhere. And if you don't have that hope, I, you need to contact us so that we can help give you that hope. If you want to talk to Kellen, uh, we'll get you in touch with him. If you want to talk to Nate, we'll get you in touch with him. You can go to Relate365.com and get in touch with us that way. And we hope that you do that. Because one of the greatest uh, effects of this broadcast, hopefully, is that we're showing you that hope is real and you can have it, and it's found in Jesus Christ. And it's not exclusively to Nate. 
Uh, I thank you for listening to Younger Older. This is Dave Wager with you from the Relate365.com leadership team. With Nate and Kellen, we'll be back in a little bit.